You're listening to the podcast version of the Recruit of Talionis audiobook, book one in the Talionis series. I'm your narrator, writer, and host, award-winning author C.J. Malesi. Each week, we'll bring you further into the mysterious and dangerous dystopian world of Talionis and Bria's fight for survival. If you haven't been following along with us up until now, be sure to check out the previous episodes. Now, grab your favorite hot beverage and hold on tight as we dive back in. Chapter 18 I leaped to my feet, and Storm does the same, hand clutching mine. What's happening? she asks. I give her hand a light squeeze. I don't know. My heart is racing, but I keep my voice calm. I thought I was used to everything in Talionis, but this is new, and I don't like it. My band continues to vibrate, and then the map feature opens on its own, and a voice comes over the speakers, sounding the alarm. Recruits, proceed to bunkers. This is a drill. Recruits, proceed to bunkers. The alarm and the words continue to echo as people, recruits, soldiers, and Talionis workers spill out of buildings. The map on my band shifts to a street view of where I am, and a road lights up with a red arrow. Follow the path to bunkers immediately. Soldiers run out of the dining hall, some marching to various buildings, others herding recruits. Let's go, let's go, to the bunkers! A soldier is emphatically pointing down the path my band is telling me to take, so I guide Storm over to the swarm of recruits heading that way. We half run as a small group of soldiers guides us, yelling at us to go faster, and maps on all the recruits' bands echo directions. We pass the training arena, then the educational building, and then they take us to the back of a building I've never been in before. It's small, and the entrance is almost invisible until we're walking through it. Low red lighting is the only thing to break the darkness inside. Storm's hand shakes in mine, and I pull her closer. A part of me is ready to turn and run from this place, no matter what the consequence. But there's no opportunity as the press of recruits entering behind me pushes me forward. Anytime someone asks a question or says anything, a soldier yells at them to be quiet. If he or she is close enough, they're zapped by a shock stick. I keep Storm in the center of the horde, as claustrophobic as it feels. She's safer with a barrier between her and the soldiers who seem desperate for us to head through this dark, dank tunnel. There's a shift in the ground, and I realize we're heading down. Lower and lower. My pulse thrums in my throat. Why are we doing this, and where are they leading us? Then the hall opens into a spacious area. I squint against the brighter lighting, but breathe a little easier as we all disperse throughout the space. The only sounds are those of recruits entering. When the last recruit files in, Sergeant Valerius steps through the doorway. Everyone snaps to attention, even Storm, which twists my stomach. What have they been doing with her during our trainings? At ease! This is your first bunker drill, he says. You may speak quietly with one another, but you are not to leave the bunker until you are told to. Understood? Sir, yes, sir. If you attempt to leave the bunker, the soldiers are ordered to stop you, using lethal force if necessary. Get comfortable. You'll be here for a while. With that, he turns and exits the way we came. A gate-like door slides into place over the entrance, and for a moment, no one moves. Then recruits break into groups and spread out through the area. Storm takes my hand again. I'm scared. 
I dropped to a knee and placed my free hand on her shoulder. It's okay, little squirrel. How about we find Cade? Any activity is better than standing here, wondering what's happening. Storm's bottom lip quivers, but she gives a small nod. We weave our way through the space. We're underground on a concrete platform. There are benches scattered throughout the area, and groups of recruits cluster around them. I accidentally brush the back of a girl I don't know, and she jumps, a yelp escaping. Sorry, I mumble as I pass. Guess I'm not the only one feeling nervous down here. A group in the far corner of the room catches my eye. They're the same age as the rest of us, but they're not recruits. Their uniforms are blue, not gray, and they're somewhat separated from the rest of us. Cadets. According to what Corporal Mitz told us when we first arrived, they're children of soldiers and residents of Talionis. They're laughing and joking and far more at ease than the rest of us. Like they've done this before and know exactly what's happening. The gaze of one guy connects with mine, and he grins, his white teeth glistening against his bronze skin. My face heats as recognition spills over me. He's the guy who was at our first physical conditioning lesson. The guy who caught me watching him. He waves. Unfortunately, he seems to recognize me too. He takes a step toward me and I spin away. Bria, over here! Ari's voice catches my ear and I hustle over to her and the group with her, grateful for a reason to move away from whoever that guy was. Kate is there, and Storm breathes an audible sigh of relief when she sees him. Relief echoed in his eyes, but she doesn't let go of my hand. What's going on? I ask. No idea, Nika says. Cade leans against the wall, arms crossed. My guess is something is happening, but they don't want us to be a part of it. His words crash against me like a tempestuous wave. We've already seen so much. What could they possibly be hiding from us? Yet it makes sense. Seriously? Ari groans. My band shut off completely. She frowns, and I realize my band isn't on either. There must be some sort of signal block down here. I'm sure you'll survive, Bryson says, settling onto the ground. I follow suit, leaning against the wall so I can look out at the sea of recruits around me. Storm sits so close to me she's almost in my lap. I put an arm around her, and she rests her head against me. My friends chat, and as my adrenaline drains away, Storm's question floats back to mind. Do I believe in God? The question bombards me, forcing away the questions I would rather dwell on, like why am I in a bunker right now, and how can I escape Talionis? But no matter how hard I try to focus on something else, Storm's question is the one that echoes in my mind, consuming my thoughts. My parents never cared much for what they called religious things— they always said they were good people, kind to others. That's what mattered. But all of that changed. Ezri's death changed their mind. They clung to God that day. But I couldn't. Not after what happened. God became a big deal for them. So I perfected tuning them out whenever they brought him up. It was so easy to ignore them. Why can't I ignore Storm's question? We remain in the bunker for over an hour, and when we're finally clear to leave, Sergeant Valerius dismisses us to return to our barracks and waives all duties for the evening, which is a relief. Storm has relaxed back to her normal self, and though she gives me a longer hug than usual, she seems okay going to her room with the woman who comes to get her. I bypass my room and go to the bathroom to wash up for bed, exhaustion hitting me in waves. 
I'm physically and mentally wiped out and grateful I don't have to scrub dishes in the kitchen like I was supposed to. Whenever I think I'm getting used to the routine here, they disrupt it, like bunker drills, whatever that was for. Maybe that's the point. Nika is already here, and I join her at the row of sinks. Sorry about what happened earlier. She turns off her sink. I pause. With Shay, she says, I don't know what she was talking about, but it seemed like she crossed a line. I turn on the faucet and splash water on my face before answering. There's no line Shay isn't willing to cross, not if it can benefit her in some way. The words are harsh and maybe not entirely true, but I'm too tired to offer disclaimers. I rub the soap onto my face. Want to talk about it? Death is hard. Her voice trails off. Come on, you know I don't talk about it, Lency. My head snaps up and I stare at Nika as water drips down my face. Her eyebrow quirks. Lency, friend from home? My throat thickens and I nod, unable to find words. I'm tired, way too tired. Nika nods as though understanding words I can't speak, pats my shoulder, and then leaves the bathroom. I brace my hands against the sink and stare down at them, eyes burning. I haven't thought about Lency in weeks, but Nika's comments sounded so much like something Lentz would have said. Homesickness hits me, taking my breath away. I swallow. No, I can't lose it. Not now. With more effort than I wish it required, I shove thoughts of my friend, of home, back down and wash away the feelings that found their way past my defenses. When I enter my room, Nika and Ari are on Ari's bed, huddled over the screen she smuggled in. They look up when I close the door, and the expressions on their faces freeze me in my tracks. What? I ask, but don't want the answer. Not really. I want to ignore them and crawl into my bed and fall asleep. Pretend for a few hours that life isn't a confusing, painful mess. But I'm not a kid, and make-believe games don't change reality. Ari did it, Nika says. She broke through the encryption. I don't move from where I'm frozen by the door. We have the list. We know who the watchers are. I hope you're looking forward to continuing the story next week and finding out what happens with Bria and her friends. If you just can't wait, you can purchase the full audiobook wherever audiobooks are sold starting October 6, 2023. If you're on the hunt for other great books, discover more epic, clean, young adult reads on the Read Clean YA with CJ podcast. Recruit of Talionis was written and narrated by CJ Malasi, and I can't wait to continue this journey with you next week.